Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Mitch Wellesley, who is CEO and founder of 3G TMS. And today we're going to talk about continuous pool optimization, putting creativity to work in transportation. You know, as we all know, the transportation market, it's, uh, it's dynamic, it's cyclical, and, uh, you know, new challenges and complexities are, are, are always emerging. You know, that's why, you know, creativity and innovation, it's, uh, you know, never ends in this industry. And, and that's particularly true, you know, for transportation, you know, management systems. Now, in today's episode, we're going to talk about, you know, continuous pool optimization, which is, you know, one of those examples of putting creativity work in, in transportation. And uh, it's great to have Mitch with us today to kind of share his insights and perspective and advice on, on that topic, as well as, you know, more broadly speaking, kind of the, the ongoing role uh, of transportation management systems in this ever-changing market. Uh, so with that, Mitch, welcome to the program. Adrian, thanks so much. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Appreciate the opportunity to talk. Great, great. Uh, so, so Mitch, before we kind of dive into the specifics of continuous pool optimization, l- let's start you know, more broadly by talking about the role of, of transportation management systems today. Now, you've been in the industry for a long time since, since its very beginnings, right? So, um, and I've been looking at it now for you know, over 19 years. So, so I'm curious from your perspective, I mean, what's changed the most with TMS over the years and what's remained fundamentally the same? So I think fundamentally, uh, the this, the idea of a TMS, what it's supposed to do and how it does, it really hasn't changed. The details around it, of course, are night and day different. So what hasn't changed? Well, what is a TMS? Uh, you know, since the, the mid-80s, it's been all about you take a bunch of orders in, you use some algorithms to figure out how to move them, use that to save money, you execute them, uh, and you settle the freight bills uh, over... 35 years or so that, that we've been doing this, obviously we, we've increased the, the computing power, which allows us to use uh, more accurate information. We've increased connectivity so that now we can do a lot more with execution, uh, with tendering and status tracking. We can do a lot more on freight settlement and, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, back, I remember doing, a, you know, installations in the 80s when the fact that, that a TMS could print out a bill of lading and a clerk didn't have to write it up, and you know they were jumping for joy. I mean, that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. So I mean, you know, it's it really is. It's a matter of how do we save money by by exactly what you were saying, allowing the professional to co- create as many options for shipping freight as possible using the TMS to evaluate all those options, and then using all of those data for saving time with execution, whether it be printing a bill of lading or automating tendering or getting good status information and allowing a user to manage by exception and looking at just what's late, all the way to settling freight bills, saving money by, uh, by doing better audits and um, and and saving time obviously by doing better audits so that that whole thing is you know is sort of the same and yet we could analyze any piece of it um, and um, and 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 see how fundamentally does the same thing and yet it does so much more and obviously whether it's mobility 
whether, I mean, I remember when EDI was a big thing, then the internet was a big thing. Now, obviously we get the data with mobility, you know, it's, it's, we just get better and better. And I'm sure that will continue. Right, right. No, absolutely. I think when you see, you know, uh, obviously there's been a lot of changing in a lot of enabling technologies like, you know, the, the emergence and rise of cloud computing, the, the emergence and rise of, of mobile applications and mobile devices and Internet of Things and, and you know, not only EDI kind of, but now we're kind of talking about APIs and web services, right? So a lot of these emerging, uh, you know, technologies, the, the evolution of technology has obviously influenced, you know, the way TMSs work and the types of problems and complexities that TMS are able to handle in a, in a much more efficient way. Uh, and then obviously, I mean, going back to the mid-80s to today, the, the nature of transportation itself has, has changed in terms of, you know, obviously all the buzz today is around e-commerce and parcel and, and all that, um, uh, which is adding some complexity and challenges. But, but I think, you know, the, 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 uh, you know those fundamental basics still the same, right? It's about meeting service level requirements, uh, in a in a in a cost efficient you know manner that that hasn't changed but everything else around it you know has and it's it's kind of marrying those two things to, together in many ways. Well, that that's exactly right. You know what's really fundamental is just what you said the the craziness of our industry in terms of all of the constraints and all of the unpredictability and all of the dynamics makes doing this incredibly hard. I mean, you think about. Uh, the sophistication of an algorithm that does routing, and we have to estimate within the algorithm, okay, how long is it going to take to to deliver this four-stop uh, truckload? How long then will it take to deliver the LTLs from the pool point in the third stop? Uh, when frankly, we don't know how long it's going to take to drive across town, let alone. 1,500, 2,000 miles. So, you know, uh, let alone the fact that, okay, you build a load and you say, this is really great, but the carriers don't have availability or we have a stock out or something doesn't palletize well. So everything that we do is based on uncertainty and dynamics. So that's why everything in a TMS is based on collecting these options, figuring out the best way to do it. But then the key is, are we dealing with all the constraints appropriately so we can build loads that work and build and everything TMS recommends is executable? And then how do we deal with the changes when the recommendations don't work? And it's those two things I think that most people really don't understand. And those two things are really what makes a TMS successful, particularly when you want to do something that's creative, which is where we're going with continuous pool optimization. All you want to do is say, here's 100 orders. I'm going to build 100 LTL shipments. Yeah, that's pretty easy. I think anybody can do that. But when you want to start saying, hey, I'm going to run multi-stops. I'm going to run pools. I'm going to evaluate these other options with continuous pool optimization. Each of those, the algorithm gets harder, the constraints get harder, and the execution gets harder. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. You know, I, I like I mentioned, you know, I've been looking at this market now for, for over 19 years. And, you, you know, sometimes I get the question is like, you know, how, how can you continue to write about TMS? I mean, haven't you written everything there is to, to write about TMS after 19 years? And on and, and one hand, yeah, maybe. But the reality is that there's continue, uh, continued innovation, there's con uh, continued, uh, you know, complexities in this industry that there literally is something new. Uh, you, you know, every day, you know, in this market and every year. Um, so, so let's get now into kind of the, the topic at hand here, you know, you know, speaking of creative solutions to complex, you know, problem, let, let's talk now about continuous pool optimization, which, which you've already mentioned here. 
first, I mean, let's define it. I mean, what is continuous pool optimization? So uh, we've struggled in the industry since the beginning with, with, with a challenge of how do we, um, how do we model and execute uh, moves when we, uh, in, in effect, don't know the, the end, the, the enough information to do the last piece of it. So in other words, pool distribution traditionally is I take the freight, I run to a carrier's terminal, I go to the terminal, I blow out a bunch of LTLs. That's, that's simple pool distribution. We've been doing that, frankly. That's, that's why I wrote the first TMS in the 80s. The, the challenge has been if I'm going to bring it to a, let's say, to some kind of a DC where it can sit. And now I don't know how long it's going to sit. I don't know how long it's going to take. When it, and more importantly, when it leaves that DC, um, I don't know what it, how it's going to move. Uh, I don't know for sure. Is it going to be a straight truckload? Is it going to be a multi-stop truckload? Is it just going to be a bigger LTL? Maybe the reason for holding it for a couple of days was it was a thousand pound LTL and we move it out. It's an 8,000 pound LTL and we just save a lot of money because we brought a lot of others together. So we have the challenge that we don't know the cost or service coming out. We don't know, frankly, what else we can move with that order. So there might be orders that don't exist yet that are originating uh, in another part of the country that are going to hit that warehouse in five days. They're going to be cut tomorrow. So there's no way to even know what the, what the options will be when we're uh, doing that first optimization uh, run. So we're, we're, we're left with that challenge. And then we're left also from a, a data model challenge that we really have to look at. I'm going to route, let's say, that first order leg to that warehouse, to that DC in the most efficient manner like I normally do. But then once I figure that out and then I realize, oh, that DC is the right place to go, then I sort of have to break it into two. And I have to say order leg one goes to origin to X to the cross dock and order leg two goes from cross dock to, de to destination. So I sort of now have to create two different order legs and I have to execute each leg and the, the operation of one affects the other because certainly if the first one is going to be late, let's say I have to change the early ship date on the second one, things like that. But to the guy outside, the guy who's querying order one, two, three and saying, where is it? He doesn't know order leg A and order leg B. He just knows it's in Denver today or it's in Atlanta today, and, that's, and it's going to be late or not to the final destination. He doesn't really care that it goes to that crosstalk. So that's, that's really the, the first half of continuous pool optimization. The second half of it then is once I have this concept that I can route to these points, well, I don't know that I necessarily want to go to that point. Do I have enough freight today that I'm just going to run a three-stop load and bypass that, that point? Or do I have enough time to go to that point? Maybe I just want to go to a pool point at a carrier. Or maybe it just makes sense for whatever reason to send an LTL because I don't have time to do anything else or, or some expedited mode. And I could do this at the, at the front end or typically at the front end or the back end. So I can do the, the two most common situations are, again, running to this uh, warehouse that is maybe, let's say, in Sparks that services the, the western part of the U.S. 
and I, I can service it from a dozen facilities all around the eastern part of the U.S. And should I go to Sparks or should I go right to L.A. or right to San Francisco with this move? And then the other one is, well, I've got a whole bunch of, uh, of shippers in the Atlanta area and I have a warehouse in Atlanta. And again, I can ship the multi-stop out of Atlanta. I can actually do pickup, pickup. I've got two big ships say in Atlanta and run across country and make two stops in LA or I can run multi-stops and LTLs into my warehouse in Atlanta break them into two and then optimize from the warehouse so those are the those are the the, the basic examples of continuous pool optimization so we now have to do the first part which is the the physically how does it work how does the data model follow it and then algorithmically we have to choose between everything that we've always done in a TMS, and now we've added a new mode that has some things that are not definite. And so what we have to do there, there's a great analogy with truckloads. When we build a load uh, in the TMS, typically we don't know what truckload carrier we're going to get. Truckload carriers don't all have the same rates. They don't have infinite capacity. And so when we look at a truckload, uh, we look at a load, I'm sorry, and we're estimating that that load is going to go for $2 a mile. We have a load that looks great. Well, today we may have low capacity and we may be shipping it at two and a quarter a mile. We may be shipping it at a buck seventy-five because somebody is around who's, who's particularly aggressive today or for whatever reason, they, they, somebody wants a backhaul. So um, in that case, algorithmically, we have to come up with an approximation. And then as we move forward with execution, we fill in the estimates with real with what's really happening. And it's really, the analogy is here, so it's different how we implement it, but the analogy is the same. We are estimating the cost and service from that uh, distribution point out, but we don't know for sure what's gonna happen uh, until frankly, the freight's picked up on that last leg. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you can see, you know, the, the uh, you know, there's that element of, of uncertainty and, and how the algorithm, you know, uh, accounts for that. There's that layer of, you know, you know, complexity, you know, that, that's involved here. And I, I want to, you know, talk a little bit about the technology, um, you know, that, that's going to enable this. But before that, I mean, I mean, what types of companies are or industries are driving demand for, for this kind of capability? I mean, can you share with us some examples of where this this capability, you know, can be used? Sure, sure. So one of the most common is, uh, is any kind of, uh, you know, 3PL uh, or a large shipper who really has, you know, different, uh, maybe different business units, different origins. So they, uh, we, we see a whole bunch of 3PLs uh, uh, that have warehouses that are saying, I want to collect freight from my small to mid-sized customers in that area bring them to their central facility. Again, let's keep on Atlanta, for, for example. So I'm a 3PL. I have a nice warehouse in Atlanta, and I'm going to my small to mid-sized companies in around Atlanta that are shipping around the country, and they're basically saying, I'm going to take your freight. I'm going to figure out, should it go to my warehouse or should it go direct? And then, re and then in effect, it's sort of like two different moves. I optimize into the warehouse, and then I optimize out of the warehouse. And the algorithm, again, chooses between going direct and bypassing it or making some kind of safe pedal run multi-pickup into the warehouse. <clears throat> Same thing on the other side. 
again, at warp, I could have a warehouse and I'm distributing in the Southeast and I've got freight, <clears throat> say west of the Mississippi and in the Northeast. And it's the same thing. I've got uh, a whole bunch of uh, possible origins, whether they're multiple shippers or um, uh, multiple warehouses. And I'm running that freight to the Southeast and I'm looking at, do I drop do I drop this freight in that DC in Atlanta? Do I drop, run it as a stop in transit? Uh, do I uh, do I do it in a traditional pool? So it's really anybody who who has enough freight in enough areas in either of those situations. The other one that's sort of interesting is which we're seeing a little bit of is companies that are doing some kind of networking where they're moving freight and they don't know. Um, again, what's going to happen as they, as the freight moves forward. We're seeing this, there's a company uh, that does um, those, uh, you know, those overnight containers, storage containers, and they might put a few of them on a truck and they're running them, we'll say this time, from Atlanta to the West Coast. And one of the, they've got three or four on a flatbed. One of those comes off in Dallas. Well, they then have to re-optimize and say, okay, here are, five that are sitting there in Dallas, which one do I throw on the back? <clears throat> is it the one that's going out to the West Coast? Or is it, for example, uh, maybe I'm going uh, to Denver on the way, I can, can stop in Denver. So it's always evaluating those options. But those five, those five little units didn't, you know, again, they didn't potentially, didn't all exist when the freight was originating in Atlanta. So um, it's really, it, it's sort of like an additional alternative to pool distribution when you have more origins and more options. Yeah, no, I think that those are some good, you know, a good example, particularly in that last one. I mean, I think, you know, the reality is that, um, you know, when you start a, you know, the initial optimization you may, you might do uh, is, is based on the, the known entities at that point. Right. And then things start moving and now a day passes or two days pass and and now you've got other options that start opening up because now the you know the, there's new realities involved and it's the ability to, to capture those other alternatives and then optimize yet again you know to figure out okay you know this is what we this is what we knew and we were optimized for on day 1 now it's day 3 and now these other options you know open up and now what what can we do to to further fine tune this or you know what there might be other options that are now present that might be better options that weren't available, we didn't know about or could figure out on day one, right? And that, that's the whole ballgame. That's really, <clears throat> you hit the nail on the head. And, uh, and that's really been the challenge you know, for, for decades. And, and I've been thinking about this for literally for 30 years. Uh, and uh, you, you know, we've always built these models on what do we know at, at the point of time that we, that we are doing the optimization. All you can do, and here we're now doing this in a way where we can, in effect, uh, estimate what is likely to happen or probable to happen in the future, and we can allow for um, uh, to to model that and then to take advantage of that, and that's that's a huge change and a, and a, just a huge opportunity. Uh, we even see carriers looking at that who sort of almost want to simulate an LTL environment by, again, picking up a bunch of little things and running to a terminal and then finding other things. So it's really, it's, it's just a fantastic opportunity for people who, 
again, want to be more creative. It comes down to what you said in the very beginning. Everything we try to do here is to let TMS users and to let uh, logistics professionals be creative. I mean, the, the whole thing here is if our goal at 3G TMS and my goal in, in 35 years or so in the industry is we want people to be creative, to come up with really great ideas on better ways to move freight that you know improve efficiencies, that cut costs, that cut breakage, that improve customer service, whatever it is that's important. And then we want to come up with ways to model those and execute those and track those. And you know, that's pretty exciting when you think about it. And that's really what a TMS has always been. And this, you know, it's a great way to where you began the conversation with where we are today. It's always what we've been doing. And it's just how can we let people be more creative? And, uh, and that's such a, uh, you know, it's such a great thing in our industry because, you know, we don't want people to just do things by rote. You know, if all you do is buy a TMS, and automate what you used to do, you just make the same mistakes faster. And that's, that's not giving anybody a lot of good. Right, right. Well, you know, speak, speaking of creativity, I mean, obviously that goes hand in hand with, with innovation on, on the technology front as well to be, to be able to enable that creativity. Uh, and you touched a little bit upon, a, a little on this already, but from a, from a technology standpoint, I mean, what, what innovations make continuous, you know, pool optimization, you know, possible today versus let's say, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago, you know, in other words, I mean, what, what capabilities should, you know, users look for in a TMS to enable this? Well, I think, I, I think that, that's I mean, a tough question. Um, I think there's a couple things. The first thing really is uh, some of us in the industry, I'm sure there aren't too many uh, like me who've been, who think about this stuff all the time. Uh, and have been for a long time. So there, there's all these really tough problems to solve, and we think about, you know, how do we solve them? So I think the biggest, the biggest leap actually was just one of those things, you know, like, uh, you know, you're sitting in the shower or lying in bed and you can't sleep at night, something like that. And it's like, holy, you know, wow. I and and it was one of those moments where really, I and mean, this is problem I've been thinking about for over 20 years, and and it occurred to me, this is the way to do it. So I think that's that's the first thing. It really is, you know, uh, just thinking through and having that, you know, that light bulb moment. The second thing, though, is is really really important as well, which is when you build your TMS and when you build your algorithm. How did you build it? And we built ours uh, in a way, and I think this is fundamental to evaluate anything that somebody can throw at it, any real world scenario, whether it's, and it really goes hand in hand, there are options and there are constraints. And, and they're equally important, constraints may be a little bit more important, but they're both critical. In this case, this was an option. So a TMS that's overly dependent, or at all dependent, I should say, on an off-the-shelf solver has no chance of handling this. This is one of those crazy, uh, things that I think are incredibly hard to model unless you come up with a heuristic that's really built around the concept of adding new options and adding new constraints. So when we built, now the way we look at things is, is really uh, simplistically, very simplistically, if I was a really, really, really smart router guy who routed freight for a living, and I'd been doing it for 20 years, and I had 
unlimited time and resources? What are the infinite, you know, billions of things I would try? And that's really what our TMS does. And that's, I think, the right way you build an algorithm. Now, to do that, you have to sit there and watch literally dozens of people rather afraid. And you have to talk to them and say, why did you do that? What did you consider? What did you think about? Okay. And that's the way I've been doing it you know, since the beginning. By, by building a heuristic algorithm around that, we're able to then say, oh, you know, here's another idea, another way to, to move the freight, or here's something you can't do, and how do we prevent it? So you need that, the second half is having that fundamental, flexible heuristic that's really oriented to, again, taking new constraints and taking new uh, options. You know, we always come up with new constraints, but they're not so sexy. You know, it's like we, we don't really come out and say, hey, you know, we figured out a way to, to model this thing. And now, uh, you know, we, we can prevent, you know, every third Thursday when the moon is full, you know, this thing is going to take an extra half hour to unload. You know, we, that, that we don't talk about. When we come up with a way of, of modeling a new option, that's much more exciting. Yeah, no, I, and, and as you were talking, there, I mean, I think certainly I think what you're hearing a lot of conversations today, and I'm wondering how it relates to this. I mean, I don't go very deep into the, the nuts and bolts of, you know, heuristics versus other types of, of modeling technology and all that. But certainly there's a lot of conversation today around the role of machine learning, you know, and particularly around something like a TMS. And I, arguably, there's already been a certain level of machine learning that's already existed in, in TMS for quite some time, you know, feedback mechanisms and loops like that. Uh, but well, your, your thoughts on machine learning, do you see that as another possible dimension or another uh, uh, evolution in terms of, of being able to open up options and, and things like that moving forward? I mean, it's, it's certainly possible, but I think, you know, frankly, you know, we, we used to have a saying at one of my other companies that, you know, we could, we could demo routing freight to the moon, but we had trouble executing freight across the street. And um, <clears throat> it's... Even what we do today is really hard. You know, one of the most frustrating things that we find today is we'll go into an account and we'll be with somebody who is complaining or and frustrated by the fact that uh, his margins are being squeezed. You know, rates are going up, up his ability to make a living on the simple um, arbitrage or buy sell rating, if you're whether you're a 3PL or a broker, is getting harder and harder. And he's searching for a way to add value. That's very, very common. And then we say, well, you know, we can do optimization and look at these case studies. We've got people, whether they're just doing multi stops, whether they're doing pool distribution, whether they're doing the continuous pool optimization, whatever it is. And people save a tremendous amount of money. And they look at me and they say, well, we tried optimization with somebody else and it didn't work. And, you know, if there's one thing in our industry where, where everyone is different and, uh, and not all of them work, not all of them work well, not all of them are designed to do the same thing, you know, uh, and, and, and it's, it's incredibly challenging, I think, when we sit here and, and we, uh, we try to help people understand that optimization is not optimization is not optimization, whether it's what I talked about before with constraints, you know. Uh, so so if, a, uh, if, if an optimization engine builds 25 loads and 10 of them can't be run because they violate a constraint, whether it was in the system or not, what do you have? You got nothing. 
Okay. If an optimization makes a engine makes a recommendation, and then you have things change, whether it's you know, carrier capacity, whether it's stockouts, whether it's uh, things that don't palletize as expected, you can't fit everything on a truck. You got extra room on a truck. You have an order cancellation. You have a, a high cost carrier today. The results that that the optimization recommended no longer make sense. So. You know, I think the challenge we face today is is much closer to the the uh, an, an analogy of demoing routing freight to the moon and having trouble routing freight across the street. I mean, machine learning is a great idea, but you know, frankly, I think the the num the companies out in the U.S., whether they be shippers or 3PLs, who could save you know five, ten, fifteen percent of their freight costs by simply adopting optimization. Uh, the number of companies that could do that is astronomical. And the number that have really tried one and said, you know, it didn't work, I, and just assume they're all similar, is it's, it's very, very high. So I think that's really the challenge. I think we need something in the industry that gets people to realize that this is not, you know, like uh, buying a commodity. Uh, and, and I'm not, and, and it's impossible to know people uh, in a sales process, they want us to run data and we're happy to run data and say, okay, here's what the model recommends. And that's great. But until you really set it up with all of the real rates, with all of the real constraints, you just don't know. I mean, I remember a few months ago uh, talking with a guy who'd been using you know, an old product for 20 years. I mean, you know, there were only a handful back in the, in the late 90s. And I said to him, so what happens when this product says, here's a three or four stop load, and the load is gonna cost $2,500, and the LTL costs are $2,800, and you say, that's great. And then you have an expensive carrier, and the load is $3,000, but you don't even know it. You know, nobody else has actually said, okay, I'm gonna execute these loads separately. I'm gonna see how the cost costs on these loads evolve and see, does this load make sense? Okay. And this is a guy who's been doing it. He, and it never crossed his mind in 20 years that he should look at the load after he did carrier assignment and say, does that load still make sense for sending those three or four shipments LTL? Never, ever thought about that. And you know, so machine machine learning is, is the least of our problems in this industry. We really need to understand that the world has changed, that there are more options, and, and we can do things differently. You know, that, that, that's a great point. And, and regarding with, you know, we tried optimization, but it didn't work. I mean, I, I've heard that, you know, over the past 19 years, you know, when I've been talking to companies. And, and a, a lot of that is also, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, they uh, – uh, you know, I compare it to, you know, a car, right? You've got to, you know, the day one when you buy the car, it runs beautifully, right? But if you don't maintain that car, you know, bring it in for oil change, bringing it for tune-ups and, and so forth, ultimately it's going to start to degrade and, and uh, you know, break down and things like that. Well, it's the same thing with the TMS. You know, it, works, it might work great on day one because, you know, it was set up with the constraints and rates and so forth that are a reflection of day one's operating reality. But then you're in, you know, day 365 and everything has changed relative to when you first implemented it, but you never went back and, you know, to your point, either look back and see whether what was, uh, what, 
you know, whether the actuals, you know, how they related to what, what you thought or the assumptions that you were making when you were doing the assumptions or, yeah, the fact that rates have changed, your carrier network has changed, service levels has changed, your constraints have changed, but you never have gone back and, you know, done the fine tuning of the TMS. You have to continuously fine tune the TMS for it to, you know, to continue to deliver value and, and uh, you know, produce the, the, the expected results. Um, you know, Mitch, we're running out of time here, so I'm just going to go, you know, last couple of questions here. Going back to dynamic, uh, you know, uh, you know, continuous pool optimization. I mean, what are some of the, you know, the benefits, right, that, that companies are, are achieving, you know, relative to that? I mean, I think the main benefit can, is, is an extension of um, uh, really what all TMS do. Number one, it gives you more options so you can save more money. And number two, it lets you address if you've got some of these really more, um, more eclectic um, uh, business opportunities that you're that you're uh, looking to leverage. It could be, for example, how to uh, marry um, uh, stock that's in that warehouse with with uh, uh, freight that's coming in. Um, you know, I think again, it's 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 really uh, it, it's really more of the same. Everything we do is more. You know, just do it's more of the same. Uh, you know, it's sort of like saying when you know when you get an RFP and you got to check a hundred boxes. It's not. Do you do these things? It's how do you do these things? How do we enable these things? Great. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I think, you know, I think the example you, you, you gave before and talking about the three PLs, looking at how do we deliver more value, you know, to customers or how do we, do, how do we deliver more value back to our organization? I mean, I think ultimately that's what shippers are looking for, whether it's on the, you know, on the cost side, but not only, I mean, what I'm seeing more and more these days is, is, you know, cost is always, you know, cost management, cost reduction is, is always going to be an important factor. But for a lot of companies today, whether it's a 3PL or a shipper, you know, the service dimension is becoming much more important as well. You know, with things like on time and full requirements or just, uh, you know, that, that's going to be the differentiating factor is can, can we reliably, consistently, you know, meet our customer expectations? Uh, and obviously transportation plays a, a key role there. Um, so, so to wrap up, I mean, getting back, you know, to, to you know, the theme of putting creativity to work in, in, in transportation. I mean, what emerging you know, challenges uh, in the industry do, do you see in transportation that's going to continue to, you know, uh, drive innovation and, and creativity uh, in, you know, to, in order to solve these things? I mean, I think uh, hopefully, number one, there's a lot that we haven't seen. I mean, hopefully people will, you know, uh, will continue to be more creative. I think uh, a lot of it is we really need people to, to think in those terms, to think creatively. You know, to think about what do I want to do and then bring those challenges to us uh, because that's, uh, 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 you know, that's where a lot of this uh, really comes from. And, um, you know, I think technologically, um, obviously, uh, getting more information, getting it faster, <clears throat> creating more options, uh, whether it be um, uh, these kinds of options from an algorithm perspective or whether they're modal options, you know, adding, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, three-legged intermodal uh, to to replace truckload, figure out where that can happen. I mean, you know, I think everything everything plays a, uh, a part with everything else. Everything affects everything else, uh, and um, uh, most of them, I think, are are fairly small. Um, so I, th you know, to me, I think the great thing is really. If everybody takes a few steps back in this industry and says, you know, 
most everybody in this industry really is taught from day one to go for simplicity. Um, you know, whether it be <clears throat> uh, everybody is taught, okay, I want to have all of my LTL carriers bid off the same tariff. Whether it be, okay, I want to find one pool point to service this uh, part of the country, or whether it's everything has to go on a private fleet, or everything has to go this way, everything has to go that way, because where we all grew up was a day where we didn't have the ability to choose between them. And so everybody sort of in their gut in this industry came from, how do I make things simple so that I can manually figure out, okay, here's an order and this is how it goes, okay? And really the answer is, frankly, it's 180 degree opposite from that. It, it's simplicity is our enemy. Flexibility is our friend. You know, I was talking to somebody from a big LTL carrier the other day, and we were, uh, he, he had won some business with one of our accounts, it was a very large account, <clears throat> and we were talking about how, how we we're going to bid this out the next year, and the idea of saying, do we want every LTL carrier to bid off one tariff, or do we want every LTL carrier to bid off the tariff that they're most comfortable with? So most people are taught to go with A. You know, it's a pretty crazy thing, but a TMS is just as fast and just as easy if every LTL carrier bids off their own tariff or whatever tariff they choose, and let the TMS choose on a move-by-move -move basis what's more cost-efficient, okay? So that, that really, really simple idea uh, you know, is is just fundamental to to not just the TMS, but again to uh, allowing a shipper or 3PL to achieve his goal. It's the same thing with: Do I go pool distribution? Do I go stop in transit? Do I have five pool points in the Northeast? Do I have one pool point? Do I always use the same one? Do I always use different ones? And the more dynamics that you allow, the TMS is just as fast. You know, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't complain if it's working a little bit harder. It's sort of quiet about that. And it's just going to, you know, it's just going to spit out better results, more savings, uh, better service when you give more options. And I think, you know, if there's one thing I hope everybody thinks about is just go back to dynamics and options. Get creative. Really think about what would be cool to do. What would be a really cool thing that I could do that um, would allow me to achieve these, these goals of, of better customer service and lower costs? And then let's figure out how to make that happen. You know, I love, I love that line, you know, simplicity is the, the enemy, flexibility is, is your friend. I think that's a, I, I might steal that uh, at some point down the road here. I, I really uh, like that. I mean, and I think just to echo a little bit of what you said, I mean, to me, it's, it's really about continuing to question the status quo, right? And then questioning, why do we do this? And, and, and continue to ask more, what if, right, questions? What if we did this? What if we did that? And then obviously from a technology standpoint, you know, ha having it be flexible enough to be able to, you know, adequately address those, uh, those ideas and, and those what if, uh, you know, questions. Uh, well, Mitch, like I always say, you know, we always manage to, you know, scratch the surface on, on these topics that we talk about. And there's certainly a lot of meat and, and you know, uh, uh, food for thought in, in, you know, what we discussed here today. But I think you provided some great insights and advice for, 
for our viewers. So again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Adrian, I really appreciate the opportunity. Love to catch up anytime. Great. I, I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand at the 3GTMS website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Mitch, uh, you can post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us, and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.